just going to do a wrap-up prayer now, and then we're done. That was a joke. Um, I love I love actually following baptisms, um, and also Ty and Shah leaving. No, uh, no, sorry, not that part. Um, baptisms are just such an incredible witness to who God is, and I I just really do sense that there's not there's not too uh, there's not there's nothing really actually that needs to be said uh, more than that, and. All we're doing is really celebrating and rejoicing in the reality of who he is. And so even now, um, I pray that we would have um, eyes to see and ears to hear the things that he's wanting to reveal and speak to us about. But may it just be, may there be just a real uh, spirit of thanksgiving and rejoicing uh, as we continue in the service. Um, we, we've just finished a series called uh, Your Kingdom Come, uh, but I'm sort of going to, and I think we're going to continue it, so there's like um, Your Kingdom Come 2.0 sometime at the end of May, um, and I thought I'll just add something in the middle, so I think it's like Your Kingdom Come 1.5. Uh, it's, it's sort of a spin-off, it's the unofficial Your Kingdom Come uh, one-off. Uh, it's it sort of is birthed out of uh, having been in Connect Group and in Alpha over the last few weeks, and incredibly, non-coincidentally, uh, um, we didn't plan it definitely, but it's, it wasn't a coincidence either, that the Alpha sessions, um, two of them on faith and on prayer, lined up with us doing the series on faith and on prayer. And so for those, <coughs> for those two weeks, um, it, was, it was incredible... It was an incredible opportunity to actually see how God was speaking to not only people who are exploring faith, uh, but people who are, who are far along the journey and who, who just want to continue to open up their hearts to all that God has. Uh, for me, it was particularly um, um, a, a, good, a good couple of weeks there, particularly as, as God was challenging me and revealing um, things to me, uh, even through, through, through Alpha. You know, I've done it, I don't know how many times now, but... Um, he was still challenging me and, and through the participants as well. And it made me really want to focus in on, on this Your Kingdom Come prayer and, and start to, to, to um, maybe understand what it would look like for Jesus praying this prayer. It is the Lord's prayer, uh, which is Jesus' prayer. And so I, I think we sort of take it on board and we, we pray it but what would it have looked like? Let's think about this. What would, it, what would it have looked like for Jesus to pray that prayer? Jesus, as we know, is uh, or revealed himself in this world as someone who stood effectively on the, on the fringe or on the hinge of two different worlds, the kingdom of heaven and all the other kingdoms of this world that we know. Uh, life as we know it, and, and, and life eternal, uh, he stood right in between those two different uh, worlds, if you will. And so Jesus, when he's praying your kingdom come, if you even look at it, I don't, I don't really like to sort of go this deep, but um, if, you were, if you were to look at it in the Greek, it's not even a, it's not even a request. It's almost a command. It's almost a, um, a, a statement uh, where Jesus is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as in heaven. There's not, there's not, necessar- there's not a sense of um, um, it not being a possibility. When he asks, uh, he knows that it will come about. Jesus, in fact, talks about prayer like this in Mark, where he says, uh, when you pray, uh, wh- whatever you ask, uh, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It's a different, it's a different type of prayer that I, I think we're probably not as familiar with. And yet this is the prayer that Jesus prays. These are the prayers that Jesus prays. People come to him with the kingdom of this world in different facets and he meets it with the kingdom of heaven. People bring diseases to him and Jesus brings healing, the kingdom of heaven. People come in their thousands hungry and Jesus brings sustenance. He feeds thousands in an instant. People bring storms, literal storms to Jesus and Jesus says, be still. He prays, in all of these instances, he's praying, your kingdom come, and it comes. The storm subsides. Ultimately, people bring death to Jesus, and he prays a your kingdom come prayer, and what results is life, resurrection life. Jesus is in like this twilight zone. If you think of of that, that, that difference, that zone between the light and the darkness. But Jesus doesn't stand there uh, with one foot in each as if he's from both. In fact, Jesus um, is never a part of the kingdom of darkness. The way Jesus uh, reveals himself and explains who he is is he is from heaven. A lot of people might be confused about that and, and almost... Uh, say that, how can he be, we'll read that, how can he be from heaven if, if, he was, if he was born here on earth? But Jesus knows that his direction is from heaven to earth. He says this in John 14, the ruler of this world is coming, being Satan, and he has nothing in me. So Jesus stands in this world as the gate to eternal life, as the gate to the kingdom of heaven entering the world as we know it. He knows who his father is. He knows what the kingdom of God is. And therefore he knows who he is. His life is bound up in his father. Where he is, where Jesus is, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right on the cusp of being revealed. Where Jesus is, the kingdom of God is in the middle of people, is in the midst of people. The incredible thing about both of these prayers, the one in Mark and also the your kingdom come prayer, is that they're prayers that Um, stem from his disciples wanting to know how to pray or how to have faith. And so Jesus is not sort of setting himself apart going, this is the the way that, that I pray, I have access to the kingdom and I'm bound up in the life of my father 
and therefore I can pray these prayers. They're actually um, an invitation that he's giving to his disciples, the people who long to follow and know him and to see his kingdom come in this world. And it's for that very reason that Paul would later say that he is bringing many sons to glory. It's, it's an invitation for us to enter into the reality that he knows, the kingdom that he knows. I wanna ask the question, um, as it stands right now, even tonight, do you know that reality? Do you know the kingdom of heaven? Do you know the life of Christ, your Father, in such a way that that opens up life to you, that you're, that you're excited every day? Did you wake up today going, the kingdom of heaven is about to come in this world as I just interact in it? Not because I have any power of my own, but because it's the very thing that God wants to do. Is that gonna be the reality when you wake up tomorrow morning, a Monday morning, the worst of all mornings apparently? Well, not for pastors actually, it's actually, well for us here, it's our day off, but, um, but for you, like as, we, as you head out into work or your school, um, coming up to, to the end of, uh, or, or mid-semester or end of your school term, exams, are you, are you facing the day with a your kingdom come prayer that isn't a, oh, I, I hope that, that your kingdom will come today, but that is a declaration that his kingdom will come through you. There's an incredible invitation for us to enter into the life of Christ, to pray these prayers that he gives and to pray believing that we have received what we ask for. There's an identification with Christ that we are being invited to live. So I wanted to look tonight at a, a segment of uh, John 6, which I think reveals a bit of the wrestle, the tension, I think, for us as Jesus speaks in these, in these sort of... Um, I was gonna say superlative, and I just said it then, but uh, it's, it's probably um, it, in such grand sort of terms that they're almost too good to be true. Too good. Imagine saying that to Jesus. That's great, but it's too good. Or, or what you're offering is too simple, too easy. I think it, I think it helps shed light on, on that wrestle that we, that we might find as we, as we come to Jesus and he seeks to give us all of who he is. So this is what it says in John 6, 26 to 28. <coughs> Very, oh, sorry, I should give you a bit of background. So what's just happened here is Jesus has fed the 5,000 um, an incredible thing. The, the people have um, sought to keep following him, but he's, he's retreated off by himself. And the disciples, he hasn't returned. The disciples have decided to go across um, the lake and they have done that via boat. And uh, the people realized and saw that he hadn't gone across with them. So they were waiting around. But 
uh, after a while, they, they, they realized that he must have somehow gone. Um, so they all got in boats and went across the lake and they found him on the other side of the lake and they were really surprised to see him, wondering how he got there. We, we sort of know uh, with a bit of inside information from the other gospels that he's just walked across uh, the lake at night and, um, and so they're surprised to see him and they say, you know, wh- when did you get here? And that's where we pick up in John 6, 26 to 28. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? I actually love this segment because it's quite logical. It's a, it's a, it's a communication, a dialogue. Jesus will say things, uh, then the receiver will interpret it, and then they'll go, okay, well, then what's the next step? And they'll sort of reflect that back to Jesus. And it's sort of like a, a ping pong in a way, but, but it sort of helps you understand uh, where people are at, are at and where we are at, in fact, because I think as Jesus puts these statements forward and these propositions forward, uh, we can logically follow. And when the crowd asks the exact same questions that we might ask, uh, we can feel like perhaps we're on the same page. So Jesus has given uh, them two, uh, a picture of two types of food. Uh, food that spoils, that's the food we're very familiar with. Everyone knows that food. Uh, and then the food that endures to eternal life. <coughs> and so he, he makes these two statements and he's talking about working, right? Working for food. Something that we're familiar with as well. We might not work and then receive food as recompense, uh, but effectively we work and hopefully we add value to wherever we're working and then they give us money in return And then with that money, we can buy things that will sustain us for a time. Uh, And then we need to keep working uh, or else uh, we don't eat. And uh, that's not good, apparently. So that's the type of working for food we know. And then Jesus is saying, don't work. Don't work for the food that spoils. Work for food that endures to eternal life. And again, it's such, a, it's such a huge statement, but it's a good statement. Who, who wouldn't go, great, well, you've, uh, yeah, I don't wanna work for the food that's towards. I wanna work for the food that endures to eternal life. And so the question they ask is, is good, is a valid question. What must we do to do the works God requires? Because that's what's gonna get us eternal life. And Jesus answers in John 6, 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I can sense um, perhaps a bit of frustration in, in myself, and, and maybe you feel that as well, but the, the idea of process and working for something and then, and then being able to um, receive that as a reward for your work um, makes sense to me. There, there's, there's, okay, this is what's needed, I do that, and then in return, I get money, food, whatever it is. 
The statement that this is the work that you have to do to believe in the one that he has sent doesn't allow you to create value. Do you know what I mean? If, if you believe in something, have you created any value for you to, for you to attain something? It's, it, th- there's, there's nothing, there's almost nothing in it. It's, it's, it's too simple. But the crowd don't seem to have an issue with that. Uh, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're just like, great, what do, I, what do I need to believe? Like, let me add it. And so that's what they ask. We see that in John 6.30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors <coughs> ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Which is an interesting thing because we've just read in, in verse 26 that Jesus said to them, you saw the signs that I performed, but, but that's not the reason that you're here. The reason is because you ate your fill of the food that spoils. But they're, they're here saying, we, we show us a sign. A sign happened for our ancestors when they came out of Egypt and they were hungry and they received food. And that was from heaven, you know, food from heaven in a miraculous way. And, and that helped them believe, right? So they're asking Jesus for a sign. Ironically, he's done that very thing just before, but, but they can't see that. Jesus says, said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall not lose one of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Incredible words from Jesus after the crowd have asked for a sign there's a sense that they, they want the thing that he's talking about, but they want a sign so that they can believe him. They reflect back on their ancestors and they go, you know, they, they received a sign, perhaps it was easier for them. The incredible thing that Jesus does and says in verse 35 is he stands there after saying that, that they need food that endures to eternal life. And he says this, I am the bread of life. They've asked for a sign and he stands in front of them and says, I am the bread of life. 
It's different to even what he's just done. He's, he's provided an incredible amount of food, that thousands from just a couple of loaves and fish. And, and now he's not, he's not even showing a sign. He's saying, I, I am the bread of life. Again, there's something that, that perhaps is, is hard for us to understand. It, it, it's, it's like we, we understand a sign pointing towards something. We, we understand perhaps if you're on your way um, to Sydney, not sure why, but if, if you're on your way there and you're, 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 you know, you're a good, good, good deal of, you're, you're, you're far through the journey, uh, and you, know, you pass a sign and it says there's 300 Ks left. You go, okay, the sign is telling me where the destination is. The sign is separate from the destination, but it's telling me where it is. Jesus, all of a sudden, in standing right in front of them and saying, I am the bread of life, he, he compresses that, that, um, the idea that the sign is gonna involve process or, or you're still far away from it. In fact, he stands right in front of them as the sign and the destination and says, here I am. It's never been closer. You've never been nearer. Right here. In the same way with the work. We're, 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 we're thinking, how do I work and do all these things and then I attain it? He's saying, here I am. The work and the reward in one. There's no, there's nothing. There's, there's no separation. There's no distance. If you can receive me. Jesus, in fact, talks about the way that, that this, this work and, and the life are, are bound up in one another. He, he, in um, John 4, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman and his disciples come and they, and they, um, they offer him food and he, and he says, I have food that you know not of. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. There's... there's He's doing things, right? Jesus is doing things, but his doing of the things is not getting him life. He's not, it's not attaining him life. To do the very things is his life, which means that it's just who he is. It's his being. He, he is life. There's, there's no separation there. And yet, how is it possible that that the very sign and the reality of life are standing right in front of the people and they cannot see it. There has to be two types of seeing. A seeing that, that sees the outward appearance, that, that is seeing but not seeing. It's a seeing but not believing. And then there's a seeing that enters straight in with no with no difficulty, with no striving, with no work. There's, there's a tension there that, 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 that perhaps is even, that is even frustrating. How, how can it be so easy, but it be, but it be too easy be too, to be too good to be true? That's effectively the barrier, isn't it? It's too good to be true and therefore it mustn't be. The fact 
that the people with Jesus, the Jews around him, do not see is shown in their response to him. He's just presented eternal life to them in the most close terms imaginable. Eternal life is, if you can imagine that, standing right in front of you, calling to be received, asking, inviting. And this is the response. Verse 41, at this, the Jews there began to grumble about him. And grumble, an interesting word to be used there because it's the very thing that the Israelites were doing in the wilderness when they received the food, the manna from heaven is grumbling. And here we see them grumbling because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus said, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he sees the Father, only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. <coughs> but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This double vision and this, this seeing but not seeing just descends after this point into complete confusion. Um, they're following this, this line of, of trying to figure out um, how it's possible that Jesus can be from heaven and yet he was born on earth. How is it possible that, that, that they're gonna eat his flesh and drink his blood when all he's saying in, in its simplicity is, is life has come. Believe in me. But it can't be seen. They don't see it. He says, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. I think, I think this is very important for us to realize is that the Israelites are not a people who have not known or experienced God or, or, or experienced and known his provision. They, they've been rescued from Egypt in, in, in an incredible way. The whole, the whole sea being parted and them walking through. God has provided for them in the wilderness when they were hungry. Manna from heaven, bread from heaven. He provided water when they were thirsty. Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. And yet somehow, they're seeing without seeing. They're receiving without receiving. 
I think that's important for us, us to realize that if eternal life is on offer, all of who Jesus is, nothing held back, right there standing at the door right now and knocking. God is gracious, God is faithful in that he provides for us, he does. But if we don't see the true provision behind those things that spoil, then we're, we're missing out on life, on everything that he longs to give. It's a complete invitation, him standing right there with no barrier, no distance. It's not a sign for something further in the future or something that you have to go and find. It's here. He stands right here. As the Jews get caught up in this idea of his, his body needing to be eaten, Jesus brings this clarity in verse, in verse 57. He says, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, just in that same way, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is showing us where his life comes from, where his food is, what it means to eat, what it means to truly eat. Just as the living Father, living, full of life, sends me. And I live because of the Father. Complete, complete ease. There's, not, there's, no, there's no work to achieve that. It's because it's his very connection to the Father. It's, it's, it's his Father. He's a son. In the same way. Do you, do you sense the, the, the radical nature of his invitation? In the same way, he longs for us to know the same life. Not a working to attain, but a knowing the life that is set right before us as your life. An identification with him, a belief that has substance behind it, that is the kingdom of heaven breaking into this world. Jesus goes on to say, after, after Jesus um, dies and resurrects, having given his, his very flesh for the life of the world. He resurrects and he meets with his disciples and in John 20, 21 to 23. Remember what we've just read. I, I might read it again. John six fifty seven. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And this is what he says in John 20, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
there's an incredible unity, an incredible identification. There's no separation. He's put himself even closer than what the Jews of that time could imagine. You cannot probably imagine him being closer to you than standing right in front of you and telling you that he is eternal life for you to believe in him. And yet he's saying something closer and more real than that. His very life in you. To be born again, to be born from above. To be able to say that you have come from heaven, born from above. You are a child of God. For you to live in such a way that that people would say, no, 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 but hang on. Wasn't he born in Brisbane? Right? with, with, With a real lack of understanding. But for you to know, I have come from heaven. Not because because I have anything of myself, not because it was the will of human flesh, not because it's a flesh and blood birth, but born of God because of Him and what He has done. Paul knows this reality very well in 2 Corinthians he says this for Christ's love it says compels here but the word is, is, is even controls us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again for them I don't know if you knew that about yourself but, I mean, it might be news to you. When Christ died, you died. I don't know if you, if you can see that, but that's, that's a reality. That's a reality. When Christ died, you died. And now what is the life that you have. If when he died, you died, what is the life that you have? There is no life apart from Jesus, the bread of life that will not spoil. And it's the very thing he's given for the life of the world. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In fact, I've got to, um, Joe had this in his, in his baptism. Galatians 2.20. Doesn't put it any easier. This is what Paul is saying as well. This is what you can say. Believe on Christ. This is what he says. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That statement, that sentence is too good to be true. Can you see it? Or can you only see it? There's a reality there for you to know that your life, because you are in Christ, is now that hinge point, that twilight zone between all of the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of heaven. There's an opportunity as you put your faith in the Son of God to know that He lives in you for the very purpose of revealing the kingdom of heaven here, now. You don't need to wake up tomorrow morning to know that or to to affirm that. This is the reality now. And it's too good. It's too good. It's too easy. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come and sup with them. Let's pray. Father, it is incredible that your kingdom does not change. Your very person does not shift like shadows. You remain and you are life and light and unapproachable if it were not for your son given for us to reveal life eternal, to do away with everything that separated us from you, to reconcile us to yourself, not in word only, not only to clear a debt so that we could go and live our own lives, but to unite us to yourself to give us your very spirit as our life. Us dead and yet alive because you live in us. Who can even imagine what that means? And yet that's the reality. We believe, we believe in you, Jesus. You, the bread of life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that though at one point you said, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so we pray that very thing. Glorify your name, Father, through your Son and your Son in us.
reveal to us, open our eyes for us to see the works and the obedience that are not works for, of attainment, but that are life in themselves, that are just us being as you live your life in us. Your words, which when we obey, we will never see death. Thank you. Open up our hearts to the magnitude of who you are. May we see your kingdom come in our hearts, in our minds, in the people around us in this city. We wanna see your life, your kingdom revealed to be the kingdom that none can stand against. No matter what the outward appearance says, for us, your people, to know you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him. Let's rejoice. Let's believe in him. Allow your hearts to receive all that he has. Let's do that. Let's stand together.
Father God, thank You that we can put our trust and hope in You. You are the firm foundation, the rock, great God. And um, Lord, I, I just, I'm just conscious, Lord, that the fullness of life, and this is what we've heard tonight, fullness of life is found in You, great God. You say that You came to give life and life to the full Father. Outside of that, we continue to try and fill the depths of our souls with everything that the world tries to offer us. And uh, Father, I just pray that You'd help us, empower us uh, to not get caught up in the things of this world because it's empty and it leaves us wanting more time and time again. But in You, as we surrender and yield our lives to You, in You, we find fullness of life. And so I pray, great God, that You'd help us and that You would find in us a people that are yielded to Your plans and purposes. And so Lord, help us uh, to do that as we go about uh, the, the call that You have on our lives tomorrow, this week, this month and this year and beyond, Father God. Uh, to continue to stay laser focused on You, Father God, uh, the giver of all life, fullness of life, Father. And so help us to do that. Lord, we honour You tonight. We thank You. And uh, yeah, just thank You for what You're doing. And uh, we look forward to all that You want to continue to do as well, great God. And we just pray these things in Your Name. Amen. Amen. Really good uh, to have you here tonight. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray for you as well. Uh, and if you want to find out a little bit more, you can head to our Connections Lounge. But God bless you. Have an awesome week and we'll see you soon.